This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, and welcome to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. For Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. We're still digesting the latest interest rate move by the Federal Reserve on a day that stocks are taking a dive. And to help us do that, we're joined by David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. So, David, tell us about first, you know, your thoughts on the Fed's move and second, help us understand not only that, but why the markets are reacting the way they are to that news. Well, let's start with yesterday. Um, the market had some relief from the fact that Fed Chairman Powell, uh, which the market expected to be very tough on inflation, turned out to be not quite as hawkish or tough as the market thought. Uh, Chairman Powell essentially said that we're not going to hike interest rates more than 50 basis points or half a percentage point at upcoming meetings. The market feared that maybe that the Fed would hike them uh, three quarters of a percentage point or 75 basis points. Second thing was the Fed chairman said we're only going to need to go to what the Fed calls a neutral uh, target interest rates, federal funds rate, maybe up around two and a half percent by later this year. The market feared that maybe the Fed would have to do more. So yesterday was a story of the Fed not being as tough as the market thought it might be. But that bliss was short-lived. We come into the day with the market saying, look, uh, uh, Chairman Powell is no Paul Volcker. Um, He is not totally committed to Uh, winning the battle against inflation. And the thing the bond market is most worried about is inflation. It has spread more widely from goods to services. And even the Fed chairman said that. So the Fed has a big job to do. And there's a lot of uncertainty about whether or not the job's going to get done without a recession. So yesterday was optimism. Today is total pessimism. And how do you combine what we heard yesterday with these numbers coming out today about productivity falling in the first quarter? That's critical. Uh, excellent question. Um, a, a key to a successful economy, growth without inflation is higher productivity. That's output per worker hour. And uh, we always want to see higher productivity. The higher, the better in terms of the output that individual workers produce. When that number comes down, it's bad news across the board. It means inflation could stay high, and that means bond yields will stay high, and that means stocks will come down further. So that productivity number was not good news. So what should we be looking forward to ahead to as we 
deal with these numbers and what we can expect coming up. What would you recommend or what would you suggest people keep an eye on? Well, I, I, I think keep an eye on that Fed. Remember, they're going to still hike interest rates half a percentage point at the next two policy meetings in June and July. And then in, in September, they're going to bring that balance sheet down, which is essentially quantitative tightening. So we have to watch and see how effective those Fed actions are, even if they're not as tough as some of the market had hoped they might be. So we just have to sit and wait. The best answer is to keep your powder dry. David Stay Jones. out of the market till it tends to stabilize. Thank you, David. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking, which we can always use help with here. Thanks for joining us. Coming up, how an interest rate hike will affect consumers. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. There's a lot of consumer fallout tied to a rise in interest rates, and here to talk about it, Mark Holbert, the investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com in Washington. So, Mark, I imagine some of the costs that consumers will face are obvious, some may be not so clear. So what can we expect to cost us more as interest rates rise? Well, yeah, and it's also, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, it's also important to point out that it'll also help investors, depending on of course, how they have set up their portfolio. But let's talk about the obvious, the costs. Obviously, in addition to the cost of the goods that we're buying every day or at the gas station, the grocery store, the portfolios will be impacted because bonds tend to go down in price when interest rates rise. And stock market, as we've seen at least yesterday, and uh, excuse me, especially today, with the stock market down so much, you'll see that stocks as a rule do not respond well to uh, rising interest rates. So those are some obvious uh, costs that we will bear. But I like to point out to my clients that uh, in addition, rising interest rates also benefit us. And these are some of the things that are less well appreciated. For example, I mean, insofar as you have anything in a savings account, this is relatively obvious when you're going to be earning more than you have been for most of the last decade, when in fact it was down to pennies that you'd get on your savings account. But uh, also you'll see uh, things like, um, this is even a less appreciated thing, annuities. Anytime you want to buy a guaranteed income for your retirement, when interest rates rise, you're actually able to get a higher annuity payout rate when interest rates rise. And so even though your stock portfolio is going down, it actually can translate into more per dollar than you could before. And so there's sort of a rough equilibrium there. And I don't like to make people think that it's all bad when interest rates go up. Well, that's always, you can always find, uh, in this case, there are a lot of silver linings involved here. So uh, you talk about the fact that, you know, some people hear, you know, rising interest rates and uh, for whatever reason, you know, are thinking it's all bad news. Uh, what is your advice for people? What's the best way for them to deal with it? You talked a little bit about portfolio and that sort of thing. What What is the biggest mistake that you think people make when interest rates go up? Well, it's a great question. I think that the biggest mistake is reacting to what has already happened. Um, the stock market, as well as the bond market, there are trillions of dollars invested in them every day. They, they will be bought and sold every day. And you have some of the smartest people on Wall Street trading in and out with, uh, you know, expectations of changes of interest rates of maybe a basis point, one hundredth of a percentage point. And the fact, the, the idea that we somehow can do better uh, sitting at our laptops at home or in a coffee shop, doing better than we 
then these pros who are incredibly intelligent have some of the best databases and computers and analysis in the world think we can do better than them. I think we're probably kidding ourselves. And the, and the markets are anticipating all the news that we read about and, and then some. So I think we just have to the, the best advice back to your question is that we just have to pick a diversified balanced portfolio that uh, oftentimes is best to work out with a financial planner and hold it through thick and thin. We should not be reacting to the latest news. And if we needed a, a better illustration of that, the last couple of days are that. I mean, yesterday the market rose 900 points, so a lot of people were drawn into the market overnight, said, hey, it looks like the happy days are here again. And then, of course, today we uh, gave it all back and then some. So it turns out that trying to react to the, the news is a fool's game. That's Mark Holbert, who is no fool. He's the investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com in Washington. And he's a smart guy that we have often on the Noon Business Hour to help us sort through things like the markets for the past couple of days. Up next, Mayor Lightfoot's pick is in for a Chicago casino. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The suspense is over. Mayor Lightfoot has revealed her choice for the developer and site of a Chicago casino, but there are still political hurdles to overcome. And here to talk about that, Greg Hines, the columnist from Crane's Chicago Business. So, Greg, what did the mayor announce, and what are the chances that she'll get what she wants? Uh, the mayor announced that uh, she wants uh, Bally's, uh, which just seemed to have been her choice from the very beginning. Uh, uh, there have been uh, chitter-chatter and favors and whatever uh, for months now out of City Hall, but this is where the mayor wanted to go. And the chances of getting it are, are pretty good. Uh, it's rare that a mayor in this city doesn't get something they want, and the mayor appears to have uh, taken all kinds of steps behind the scenes. Uh, for instance, lining up big support from union labor and getting key aldermen on her side uh, that should guarantee that at least this will get through the city council. Now, what happens if then before the Illinois Gaming Board it could be a different question, but that's uh, kind of out of out of direct control. I was going to ask you about the Gaming Board. Any thoughts on uh, how this proposal would do there, or is that just something we have to wait and see? Well, uh, there's uh, there, there's some warning flags here, I think, uh, Jim. Um, uh, despite all the mayor's protestations that this was fully vetted and the public was involved and people invited to give their opinion, the fact is there, were, there was only one public hearing in the in the River North, River West area with, where this is going to go uh, before this decision, and, and the public was allowed to comment maybe half an hour, forty minutes after a two-hour sales job from other people. Uh, when you do stuff like that, you make you make uh, mistakes. Uh, one of the things that's come out here is that uh, the, the firm uh, the city relied on for financial analysis actually did a lot of work for Bally's last year, helping them raise money. How that will fly with the, with the uh, gaming board, I'm not quite sure. But in this state, after our experience with the Emerald Casino, if uh, people remember out in Rosemont, uh, which got tubed over concerns that there was some funky stuff going on, uh, state regulators tend to want this process to be squeaky clean, I think it's yet to be seen whether this particular process in Chicago was squeaky coin. Is the mayor's support for this among allies in the city council and the union strong enough to overcome any of the objections that might come up from some of these things, such as the shortened public participation and, and the questions about how the numbers were arrived at the benefits of this casino? Uh, quite probable, Jim. Uh, the way the mayor is going to play this is uh, jobs for uh, for hardworking Chicagoans, a lot of them minorities against a bunch of uh, uh, 
people up in the North Shore who uh, North side of, uh, who maybe have a lot of money and big fancy condos, but don't uh, that are being a little selfish. That's um, great. Well, that's Greg Hines. The political matter that's that's hard to counter. All right, that's Greg Hines, the columnist for Crane Chicago Business. Thanks, Greg, as always. Still ahead on Technology Thursday. Facebook owner Meta is previewing its first physical store. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And for Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The stock market deep in the red following a rally yesterday. An update next in a special report from CBS News. In Technology Thursday, Facebook's parent company, Meta, provides details of its first physical store. Also on the tech beat, this is World Password Day, a perfect occasion to discuss cybersecurity. And Chicago losing a major company to the East Coast. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow is down 1017 points, 1017. The S&P 500 down 145, and the Nasdaq is down 610 points. AccuWeather says we're going to have a high of 57, but it will be cooler by the lake. It's 1231. CBS News Special Report. Investors are retreating. There is a major sell-off happening right now on Wall Street, and it's causing stocks to tank. Economic analyst Mark Hamrick. That optimism dried up, and investors have quickly returned to their previous ways. They're selling stocks of all kinds, but focusing on getting out of technology and other high flyers that had led the market to record highs. CBS Business Analyst Jill Schlesinger explains what happened. Most of the action continues to center on whether or not the the Federal Reserve can thread the needle of increasing interest rates in order to quell inflation without triggering a recession. The huge sell-off, of course, coming one day after stocks soared following news of that half-point interest rate hike from the Fed. At one point today, the Dow dropped more than 1,000 points. Now it's down about 977. The Nasdaq also lost 5% in what experts are calling the worst day of the year for stocks. CBS News Special Report, I'm Monica Ricks. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And we're going to talk about the down day on Wall Street. But before we do that with Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and 
publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter out of Hammond, also author of the Winning with the Dow's Losers, and what a great day to talk about that. Let's talk first about the other big breaking business news in Chicago this afternoon, and that is that uh, Chicago is losing Boeing. Boeing is going. Where are they going and why? Well, it looks like they're going to uh, right around our nation's capital in the Arlington area, so the reports indicate. And it, it isn't it shouldn't be a total shock for a number of reasons. One, you know, Boeing obviously has had a lot of issues with regulators stemming from some of their product problems. So there may have been some pressure to get closer to D.C. for lobbying efforts or, or, or for whatever. Second, you know, people kind of forget Boeing might be the largest defense contractor in the United States. Um, so, you know, that is probably a place that they would want to be, again, in the, in the area around the nation's capital. And third, and this might actually be the biggest factor, a lot of the tax incentives that Boeing received when they moved to Chicago, I believe, expire at the end of this year. So, you know, there there are some both financial as well as regulatory uh, reasons why the company would move out of Chicago right now. All right. Now, you are the author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. So if there's ever a day to get advice from you, this is one of them. What is your advice on a day like this? Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's not to, I mean, it's, it's, it becomes kind of cliche, but don't, don't panic and sell into a mess like this. From, from the standpoint of the Dow theory, which is a tool we use to discern the market's primary trend, the, 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 the trend is bearish right now. And what we have been waiting to see is how well the market holds above that March 8th low in the Dow Jones Industrial Average of around 32,000. 600. And it's had a pretty good test of that here. You know, a day like this kind of might surprise some people that the market actually was lower uh, in terms of the Dow, you know, two months ago. So, you know, let's see how the market holds that level. If, in fact, that level gets taken out, that would be fairly bearish or a continuation of the bearish trend. But, you know, the bottom line is on panic days like this, it, it typically does not serve investors well. Uh, to be selling into this panic. You made a good point there that if you look at it from yesterday to today, yeah, it doesn't look great. You look at it long term, it's maybe not nearly as bad as it might be looking right now. If you if you stretch out the perspective, as as you mentioned, is really the strategy anytime when you're an investor, unless you really want to ride those waves, but especially in times like this. Yeah. And you really have to determine what type of investor you want to be. If if you're somebody who is definitely, you know, looking two, three, four or five years down the road, uh, you know, that that you're going to behave differently than somebody who is trying to trade the volatility on a day to day basis, which, you know, is is difficult to do. There are people who are successful at it. And this is certainly a trader's market with the volatility that we're seeing. It's a trader's dream come true, quite frankly. But that can be a very difficult way to make a dollar. And again, if your investment focus an investment time horizon is, you know, a multi-year uh, day, daily moves like this really shouldn't factor into your strategy too much, quite honestly. All right. What else in the Dow Theory forecast, Chuck, should we be keeping an eye on or we can benefit from in, in conditions like this? Well, you know, in markets like this, you, you know, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater and you're seeing that, especially in in technology, for example, where it's been pretty indiscriminate selling, whether it's a company that has 
no profits and, and a crazy high PE or, or companies that are actually reasonably valued. And, and, you know, those are the companies that, yes, in a short-term basis may continue to move lower with the group. But when the market turns, uh, they should be leading the pack and, and you should have some uh, confidence in those sorts of companies that do have profits and you can buy that growth at reasonable prices. And a couple of names that, that we continue to like and, and our investors own is a company like Qualcomm, symbol QCOM, which, you know, you can get now at about 11 or 12 times earnings, which is a ridiculous multiple for a company that's growing the way it is. And, you know, Alphabet, which is a company that we like quite a bit, Google. And again, you can buy Google now at an earnings multiple that, you know, looks like a consumer staples stock for crying out loud, given the growth that it's going to have. So, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to turn on a dime on you but and, and go up. But, you know, again, if you're looking 18, 24 months down the road, you probably could do um, you could do just fine buying some of those stocks right now and kind of riding through what's probably going to be a fairly gritty three, four months in the market. That's Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond and also the author of the appropriately titled book today, Winning with the Dow's Losers. Thanks, Chuck, as always. Up next on Technology Thursday, Facebook's parent company looks to physical stores for the metaverse. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and Facebook owner Meta is offering a preview of its first physical store. And we learn more from Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group out of New York and author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. So what's up at Meta? Wow, it's so much fun. They have decided they're going to make a physical store, sort of like an Apple store if you look at it, uh, by their... uh, headquarters in um, Burlingame where they're working on the metaverse. So this is the first physicalization, if you will, physicalization of their metaverse vision. Uh, They're showing off the Oculus 2 headsets. They're showing off a bunch of VR, AR, MR, and XR tools, some of their uh, portal video uh, screens. It's really uh, fun. Is it important? I don't know, but it's really fun. Yeah, it sure is fun, but does it does it show a sense that we're going to expect more of a physical, real presence in the metaverse and it's not just all virtual? Or is this more of an exception to the rule in that the, the future of the metaverse is really the virtual side and finding ways to monetize that? So the metaverse is undefined, even by Mark Zuckerberg. It, to some people, it's cartoon avatars in a cartoon universe. To other people, it's self-sovereign identification in a digital world that's uh, set up in a Web3 environment where users and creators share in the value they create. And somewhere between those two things is where the metaverse is going to land. So what this store is, is basically a place where you can go try out Oculus to uh, or the Quest headsets. You can you can try out some of the tools and technology that Meta believes you'll use to enter and interact inside their virtual world. So it's a physical store where you can try stuff out. Um, you know, is it important? The Apple Store has a wide range of technologies that we use to interact with each other every day. This is Meta's idea of the tools you'll use to interact in the metaverse. So you know, it's the first time they've put that all in one place. 
I think it's exciting. Is it going to be, like I said, I don't know if it's important, but it certainly is fun to go uh, look at. Shelley, do you have a thought on whether this will be more in the lines of the success of the Apple Store or perhaps more in the lines of other tech giants that have tried retail stores, no, like Microsoft, really, for example? Sure. No, it's a great question. I think this is going to be something that they're just going to dabble in. I can't imagine Meta getting into the retail business in any meaningful way. They're not set up for it. They have no expertise in it. And to be fair and frank, they don't have enough merchandise to justify the square footage. I think this is a pop-up concept store. It'll be fun for people to go to. Maybe they'll put some in some very, very high-trafficked areas. But what I would look to really is online sales for this kind of stuff. And it's going to work word of mouth, Jim, or it isn't going to work at all. Either people are going to say, yeah, you got to get this, or they aren't. This is really all about the tech. But I'm excited that they, that they did a little pop-up store. We'll see We'll see what um, how the public reacts. Because, you know, people do vote with their wallets. That's for sure. And anytime you get to visit a tech store, that's always a lot of fun. If you're always. someone like me, if you love tech. Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group out of New York and author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Thanks, Shelley. Great to talk with you. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come celebrating World Password Day. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. What's today? Quick, if you said Cinco de Mayo, yeah, you're right, but it's also World Password Day. And joining us to salute the occasion is Adam Levin, the founder of Cyber Scout and author of the book Swiped, and perhaps most importantly, the host of the appropriately named podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin. So, Adam, World Password Day, what should we all take from this? And I imagine the message is the same as it usually is. Show some good password etiquette, right? First of all, thanks for having me on. And secondly, it's very important to really focus on password protocols because unfortunately the password could be the skeleton key to most of your life uh, i realize there's a big drive on in order to change that so we get to a passwordless world but at the moment this is what we got so you can do it the easy way which is get a password manager which will create passwords for you or at the very least store your inventory of passwords so you don't have to keep remembering each one and then there's some rules of the road Password is a really lousy password. So is one, two, three, four, five, six. So is QWERTY. Uh, so you need to really focus on, so how do I make it better? Well, at least 16 characters is best. And then that will give you a little bit of comfort against password cracking software, as long as it's not a really simple to remember phrase that anyone would know. Random sequences of characters are best, but passphrases, such as a combination of, let's say, three unrelated words is okay as well, and then throw in a special character like a symbol or a punctuation mark. Resist the temptation to recycle. Having a weak password and then reusing it across your universe of websites is like having a big juicy hamburger on a kitchen table right next to a big hungry dog. You don't want to do that. Also, change can be good. There's some division between experts whether you should change your passwords on a regular basis. Some say no, some say yes. Keep your details off social media, or if you're going to be very open about all the things you do in your life, then lie like a superhero when you create the answers to security questions, uh, because 
too much information is available that if you tell the truth, if you're asked your high school, your mother's maiden name, your your dog, all these kinds of things, people who are following you on social media would know about it. So just lie. Come up with different answers. Just make sure the answers you give when you're asked the question are the same answers you gave when you set up the questions and answers. And then use multi-factor authentication because if someone manages to get their hands on your password, at least they have to go through another layer of authentication, whether it's a code to a trusted device or a fingerprint or a facial scan or a physical security key that you insert into your device, these are the kinds of things that will give you a little bit extra comfort. That's Adam Levin, the founder of CyberScout, the author of the book Swiped, and host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin, where you can find out about ways to keep your password secure and all sorts of ways to protect your online existence. And Adam, always great to talk with you, especially on this World Password Day. Hope you have a happy one. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.